0: Most of the time people come in really hard, like even if they're excited to see me they come in with like all their edges popped out Mm -hmm. because they've been like having to navigate and I feel like I'm like okay I'm gonna soften and then you can soften and then I can read your mind and get you to tell me how your hair feels to you and then I can like pull out my skills.
1: Welcome to another week of Let It Out. My name is Katie Delbout. This week, I have a treat in store for you. One of my favorite people to talk to, someone who inspires me, her energy is just really great to be around. And listen, you get to have her in your ears, not just this week, but for the next couple, because I went to her studio and we talked about We covered a lot and I'm splitting this into multiple parts. Ryan Bassetti is a tremendous hairstylist. Mine, my friends, we met in a really kismet way that we tell over the next several hours as well as she has lived so many lives. You're gonna hear about her modeling career. You're gonna hear about her working in finance, moving to New York, how she got into hair. She gives so much great hair advice. She talks about the importance of softening within work. Her style haircutting is so special, not just because I get to talk to her and spend time with her, but honestly, the haircut is an afterthought. I really just like getting to hang out with Ryan to tell you the truth, but she's so, so good at what she does not to downplay that at all. And her whole ethos is having you be able to make your hair look great on your own, not just leaving the salon one day and having it look special. She takes the opposite approach and wants you to feel good about it every day. She talks about some positive lessons she got from being a model that I have now taken into my life as not a model and talk about dating and how she found her partner and how one doesn't need to be perfect when you're dating and when you meet someone that you can grow within a relationship and she's in a really special one now so I thought this was a great Valentine's Day week episode if you're listening to this the week it comes out It's honestly wild how much we covered in this because I'm looking at all these topics and I love listening to her so much. I'll tell you what we talk about in part two at the end of this episode, but for now, let's get into it. This is my conversation with my incredible friend, Ryan, and I'm so grateful that she was here and that you're here listening and I'll talk to you more at the end. honestly so happy you're here <laughs> thank you so much for doing this oh my it gosh means so much i just
0: i can feel like what this is as a project for you and i feel so honored to be invited in oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> well i was saying before we started recording that i'm i feel this responsibility now because you are the north star of my friend group and i realize that we have even more mutual friends than i knew when I was preparing for this today, (laughs) which some of them will make an appearance. But as I was talking to a a few of our mutual friends, I was like, they're all so stoked I was interviewing you. (laughs) And I, I mean, I was obviously excited, but then I started to feel this pressure. Like I, the amount of questions (laughs) that people gave me and the amount, I'm like, I am I'm the one going in and like <laughs> getting the scoop from our guru. <laughs> like it, really, it really felt oh special. And yeah, it, it's just so nice to be here with you and honestly in your energy. And that's something that a friend of mine said this once where she was like, let's just get together, even if it's just for a second. I just want to be in your energy. And I really liked that and the way she said that of, like, I knew exactly what she meant. Like, yeah. sometimes you walk away from an interaction and yes. – or honestly, it's easy to remember it in the opposite direction, you know, yeah. when you walk away from an interaction you're like, ooh, I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And with you, it's it's always the opposite. Like, I, I come in here to get my hair cut or see whenever I see you and it's just this – inspiration and filled upness that i sort of can't explain and and feels magical and you you do you have this magnetic personality that really inspires me and a lot of people that you know are our mutual people and i think my friend zoe said it best when she was encouraging me to just like book an appointment with you and and she was like the, the way and you know zoe and she's very conversationally was just like listen She's uh, she kind of just like glossed over the part of like you being really good at your job and really talented <laughs> and which you are and you're incredible and and I think that's sort of like in the forefront that I just didn't even need to hear that and then she goes on to say like talk about your incredible bedside manner with your job which I think is really important. You and I have had so many great conversations just, you know, while you've been very dexterously simultaneously giving me an incredible haircut that I get so many compliments on. You're also, you know, we've talked about moving cities and career changes and dating and iron and our thyroids and our periods <laughs> and like, you know, it's gone in so many different directions. And I, I think you have this ability that I've even seen like just with like someone who is waiting come in. Like I, I really admire you and the way you can make everybody feel special and I can see it even in my limited interactions with you. And, yeah, I, I guess I'd like to start there where, you know, the intersection of your your current job that you do, you know, I mentioned the the bedside manner, but there's this element of connection and conversation. It's very intimate what yeah. you do and even maybe performance on, yeah. on your end yeah. while simultaneously providing this very physical – service. Yeah. And, you know, going into when you started doing hair, was that a skill set that you had to develop or like did one side or the other come more naturally? Did you know that that would be such a element that you had to merge together?
0: The thing about hairdressing, especially in New York City, where I started is you begin as an apprentice. So what's good about that is you're this kind of like diet hairdresser. So you're not doing anything permanent, but what you're doing is you're starting to touch people Mm. and you're doing it as like a first phase for the real hairdresser. And so you're shampooing people, you're getting tea for them, you're getting them a coffee, you're talking to them, you're making them comfortable in their chair and you're terrified at first because you're like, they're going to find out that I don't know what I'm doing. but. You you have to pretend. It's like the fake it till you make it. That that's like that first phase. You don't have to do. You don't have to worry about being good at hair yet. You just have to worry about making people comfortable and feeling. And that's when I first got to start flexing this. Like I can feel people. They're rushing in from like the subway. Mm -hmm. They're here for an hour and a half. They really want to look better. I am the first wall that they walk through, and I'm this person that's going to help them just feel good. So it taught me how to just like, I would put my hands on people's shoulders. I would give them good eye contact. I would get them some tea and I was terrified of actually doing their hair, but I didn't have to. So first I got to learn how to feel people and get them comfortable. Later on, I had to worry about how do I make them look good? So it was luckily it was a tiered process for me. I didn't have to do it all at once now it's crazy. It's almost that thing where people talk about like intuitive awareness as a a, with their professional skill or even if it's just like a hobby. It's like when you look at a like magic eye poster and if you're looking at it and you're looking at detail, you can't see anything. You have to like soften and pull out and let yourself kind of like your vision melt and all of a sudden it comes out at you. Mm -hmm. Like that's how my job is for me. I have to like soften with people Most of the time people come in really hard, like even if they're excited to see me, they come in with like all their edges popped out Mm -hmm. because they've been like having to navigate. And I feel like I'm like, okay, I'm going to soften and then you can soften and then I can read your mind (laughs) and get you to tell me how your hair feels to you. Mm -hmm. And then I can like pull out my skills. Yeah. It still feels tiered, but it's like this kind of like mashed up, Thing now where I'm like everything feels like it like comes in, it becomes like five D. It's like this mystery process that I don't even really understand. That if I'm too pulled in on it, and I if I'm if I'm trying to be too tidy or organized about it, I can't I can't do it. Mm. So yeah, it's like all these things at once. But I have to be really soft. Yeah. That's one thing I notice. If I if I'm too hard in it
1: and I don't soften, I am bad at my job. Did you learn that by having experiences of that were? not great starting out
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) well like it's funny because like with hairdressers especially when you're you know apprenticing yeah the model is still like very male it's like modern hairdressing everyone talks about like Vidal Sassoon he's like the big big grandpa Mm -hmm. of like modern hairdressing and you march in to your client, and you look at them and feel their hair, and you don't really ask them that many questions. It's all about you deciding what someone needs. And it's very, it's kind of aggressive. It's really showy. It's like you have your little ego popped out. You know, it's like you're on a reality show and you're like the star, and that's what you're taught. And so you see a lot of hairdressers that act that way. Yeah. And some people feel better when they have. Like that, I call it like daddy energy. It's mm-hmm. like some people want to get domed yeah. when they go to the hairdresser. And I <sighs> tried to do that when I first started. And I realized that I was doing uh, like technically good haircuts, but they were not making people happy. Yeah. I was like replicating these like perfect haircuts that I'd been taught. But like we kind of looked at each other and we were like, Meh. And that's when I was like, yo, I got to like... I got to break this open because I don't want to be just another hairdresser that's like marching around, like doming people and being like, you need bangs. You need a bob. Like, oh, I'm going to do this to you. Like, just sit there and I'm going to tell you what you need. I think I was just like, this is so stupid because people know what they need, even if they don't think they do. I think it's made me lean really much more into the conversation before the haircut, the consultation. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, everyone knows what they need. They just sometimes need help articulating it. Right. People are smart. You've had your hair on your head your entire life. You don't need someone to come that you just met, come into your life and tell you you should have a bob. I remember one time I was doing a haircut in front of a a really important mentor Mm -hmm. who is like a very famous hairdresser, respected, is a genius, but like I call him a pirate. He's like a hair pirate marches in, kind of a swashbuckler. He tells women what they need. Mm -hmm. They look hot afterwards. People think he's a god. You know, hairdressers think he's a god. But I I remember we did this day of haircuts where I was like, hey, come to my studio. I'm going to get people to be hair models and we're both going to cut people. We're going to do haircuts in front of each other. And I did my first haircut in front of him. And the first thing I did was I had a consultation. I was like talking to my this woman whose hair I was going yeah. to cut. And I asked her, the first thing I asked her was like, how would she, how did she feel in her hair currently? Which I ask Great everyone, question. right? Like, how do you feel in your hair? Yeah. And he stopped me and he was laughing and he's like, why the fuck would you ask someone that?
1: He says this in front of the model.
0: Yeah. And he was laughing. And, and it was like, it was like, I was just, we looked at each other and we were like this old guy. We're like this old man. You and the model. Yeah. Yeah. I remember she was a student. She went to Reed College. I was in Portland at my Portland studio, and we just like laughed and rolled our eyes. And we were like, "Oh, this is like grandpa. Grandpa doesn't care about people's feelings, or doesn't understand that like that's how you do a respectful haircut.
1: Right.
0: It matters." not to gender anything here. I just think it's like, I feel like I'm adopting a more balanced. I have masculine and feminine impulses when when I'm working with people. And I think the whole like old method is just like very piratey, masculine.
1: Yeah. Militant.
0: Yeah. People are colonizing people's heads. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a power dynamic that is antiquated and you've had to... Reapproach and go more in a feminine direction, but not overly, because I think that also wouldn't be good. Like you said, if it's this spectrum, mm-hmm. and I didn't actually know that. Like I, I have friends who, like you, that are are hairdressers, but so I, I vaguely like knew. You know, Apprentice was part of that but hearing that process I think like that's a really great process that you can get comfortable yeah. with a huge part of the job which like you said is touch conversation connection we've spoken about this before but in so many service providing positions or front facing jobs that you know we've both had like working at a shop or working in a restaurant or working nhr and sales or like there's so so much of so many jobs maybe all involve some sort of like human connection and not treating people like numbers yeah and if you can do that whether you're working at a company or in some sort of front-facing position or, or cutting hair i think that's really important and and then having to vacillate between tasks and multitask and be really present. Like that's a whole nother layer of, yeah. of skill set. But I think what what was most interesting about what you're saying about that mentor of yours and that dynamic, that power dynamic of someone coming in and like telling someone what they need, it it makes me think so much of the like when I was growing up, there was so much on TV about makeover tropes.
0: Yes. And I love
1: a good makeover trip. Like, yeah. it's, you know, I love yeah. a clueless, like, I yes. love a, um, totally. someone come, you know, like, yeah. even I, I would think about that every year. I would come back from like summer vacation and I'd want to like, yeah be unrecognizable yeah, you know totally. yeah. <laughs> and I just I, like wow everyone with your new everything yeah I think <laughs> I've talked about this on the show before but even like a friend will go away for the weekend yeah. and then when I see them again I'll want to be new yeah. Like or I'll go on a trip <laughs> and I will want to like not it's so silly but totally there, there's something like about that before and after but yeah. especially growing up there was like It was also like ambush makeover, extreme home makeover, extreme makeover. Like there was that TV show, the Swan, what not to wear. Like Stacey London did this podcast a couple months ago and she was talking about that trend in the early 2000s and like how that feels quite antiquated now of like telling some, like she says that she would have done the show differently of like, that's really intense to like tell someone what they need. I, I have to say all the time, I think
0: so much of what I do, I try to like uh, help people like heal from other hairdressers, like yeah. shaming them. Yeah. Like we were taught to shame people. And I think it's part of the capitalism of hairdressing because you don't want to go out and buy three new products with every haircut yeah. unless you think you looked like shit before. Mm, right. You know, like that it's, it's people make money when they feel embarrassed about how they look. And I have a like mother bear level of anger towards other hairdressers who have leaned have Mm -hmm. used that tool i think it's so irresponsible and it's fucking crazy excuse my language i when people tell me they come in and i know my hair sucks i know i have this da 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 and i'm like hey like and i never say it because right away i'm like i need to help you right now and i'm not gonna like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to dwell on that nasty energy. Some hairdresser gave you five years ago or yeah. 20 years ago. But as soon as they say that, I'm like, you have good hair. I love your hair. Your hair is great. Oh, let's so help. Let's, let's like support your hair. Yeah. Like who told you that there's so much to to do for me to like, that's one of my consultation things too, is mm-hmm. to like help people understand that like they have been lied to. No hairdresser should ever tell someone that they don't have good hair or that like something's wrong with their hair. Yeah. That's crazy.
1: Oh God. Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm an example of this. You did this exact thing with me. And I I think this approach of, of the balance that you were saying between saying, you want, you want to be useful and helpful and make people feel leaving people better than you found them, you know, yes. and that has n- almost nothing to do with the hair and yeah. everything to do with the hair totally. at the same time. Totally. Yeah. And I, I think like, like, for example, if that, and maybe everyone thinks that their hair is special and they have a special case, but I, I do think, you know, for some people who have hair that is really healthy or uh-huh. you know grows really fast mm-hmm. or um you know just falls kind of dries kind of similarly to how it looks I, I think there it can be easier to yeah. m- and maybe that's being reductive but like for instance like I'll I'm going to talk about myself in this yeah. but yeah this if that that dynamic of, of that person who was your mentor like if someone came in and was just like I'm going to make you over. And, and there's part of me that like loves that. That yeah. would just be like, yeah, do whatever you want to me. Like, I so want to be that person. That's sure. like dye my hair any color and use it as a hair model and just cut it in any way. And, but I also know, you know, I'm 32 years old and I've had this hair, like you said, for, for my whole life. And I like, I've gone away from, and people say this all the time. And and this is something that, you know, my mom would always say, and and she's had the, in our little small town, she's had the same hairdresser for all of my life. So that's at least, you know, 30 plus years. Yeah. And I think longer than that. Yeah. And she goes in there and has a relationship with her now that's kind of like, do whatever you want. But that's a really long-term A longer-term relationship than she's had with, you know. There's a lot of knowledge there. Like, whatever she wants is based on a lot of, like, innate understanding of your mom. Exactly. Exactly. In time. Exactly. But I also know that if I went into someone wanting something new, wanting something fresh, wanting them to do whatever they wanted. Oh, this is what I was going to say about my mom. She always leaves there and she is, she'll she get all these compliments on her hair that day because it looks yeah. so, so different yeah. than when she does it herself. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, I'm really like essentially like a blowout yep. <laughs> like that's done professionally. Yeah. yeah, looks so different Yeah, than, and, f- and fresh color and cut and whatever. Totally. But the, and and maybe who knows, maybe it's the air of confidence that like my yeah. mom being around this person who makes her feel good for 30 years yep. can do. I think it's yep. probably a lot of factors, but yep. she'll always say this, you know, about her hair when someone compliments it on the day after she gets it done. And she's like, well, I can never replicate it can never replicate it. Yeah. And I think, something I really admire about you and your Mm -hmm, work is mm -hmm. that you want people to replicate it. You want them to, because I think that while that's really fun on one day of the year to like, feel like your hair looks good. Sure. It's a real bummer if you have hair like my mom and I, which is curly and wavy and thick and you know, to have it look good only when someone spends a lot of time on it is, is really sad. And so I think having going into someone like that, the mentor of yours and just being like, do whatever you want. Like I guarantee you it'd probably look great when I walked out of there, but then I have to live with it every other day of my life. So that's why I come into a consultation. Like, let me just give you some background of what I'm working with here. You I, know, I
0: s- All the time I all walk around and see people on the street, you know, in public and they have what I call like a clunky, clunky shape. And it's a shape that was cut with, a blow dry at the end. Mm-hmm. And it, had it not been blown out, it would have looked clunky when they left the salon. But because it was blown out, no one can tell that it's right. not fluid, that it didn't air dry, it's not going to air dry well. And I think that people think that they just kind of have to, that's part of having a haircut, is that it'll always look the best when you leave the salon. And I want it to look. I want it to look better after you go yeah. home and dry. You know what I mean? Or as good as. Again, that industry is like reliant yeah. on people wanting to have that one day after they get their, you know, they, they it's relying on people wanting to have like a makeover day mm-hmm. instead of expecting to look better all the time to just accept that they're going to like, 60% better most of the time, and on you know, four days a year they're gonna look like they've come out of a TV
1: show or whatever. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Brooke Linen. We're playing matchmaker this year, and you and Brooke Linen are made for each other. Feel the love this season with their line of bed and bath essentials that fill your home with life's little luxuries. Listen, Brooke Lennon doesn't let anyone come between the two of you, because they've got a direct supplier relationship that sources high quality materials at a fair pricing model. Over 100,000 everyday experts have fallen head over heels for their five star home essentials. The reviews speak for themselves. You can read them yourself. And sure, you've probably heard about Brooklinen on another podcast. You probably know about their sateen sheets that are really luxe. But listen, have you heard it from me? And have you heard that it feels like sleeping on a cloud? It's buttery smooth, this is softness, I'm telling you, hotel level luxury. And here's the thing, it's not just sheets. You can give your bathroom a spa at home feel with upgrades like ultra soft robes and towels, we love, softness here at let it out and if you're looking to upgrade your spaces brooklinens bundles are the complete package you can choose bed bath a combo of both it'll save you money it'll save you time it's really great. Create a space you and everyone else will have a crush on with brooklinen We love crushes. Visit brooklinen.com to get $20 off plus free shipping on orders that are $100 or more with the code LET IT OUT. That's B R O O K L I N E N. Dot com for twenty dollars off plus free shipping at orders one hundred dollars or more with the code Let It Out. Thanks so much, Brooke Lennon.
0: I have feelings about like the makeover thing. It's like I think if you went back to all those makeover shows and you followed what people ended up keeping of their look. Mm. You know, of course, they're going to probably revert 60 to 70% back to what they were doing. And there was probably a better, there was a better way to do it. But yeah, it's like the selling power of like, look at this, like hot, you know, and like I remember like top model, they would take these like totally beautiful girls and be like, oh, this will never do like we're going to cut your hair off and dye it brown or like we're going to give you extensions. And now you have long blonde hair. And it's like there's just this kind of dumb violence uh, around that kind of stuff that I just can't I can't get down with. And it's funny because I'm in an industry that largely relies on that psychology and I really hate it a lot. It's probably why I like can't work in salons.
1: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but do you think that still happens with models and high fashion? Because even a friend of ours, she got scouted and plucked to be in a Gucci commercial. Uh-huh. Our friend Savannah. Uh-huh. Is so cool. And they said, I think similarly they, and you would know her hair better than mine, but I'm pretty sure they like chopped her hair. They definitely cut it. I mean, gave her bangs, something like pretty drastic. Yeah. Do you think that still happens a lot with that industry? It depends
0: really on like, if someone's trying to discover a model, yeah, they want the industry to think that they found them in under like a a daisy leaf when they were four. They don't want to send a girl out into the world with a high style mm-hmm. that's like she's got sharp bangs. She has a beautiful salon color going on. They want her to look like like an infant from like a fairy tale. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't think. In that industry with like in terms of high fashion models, they're doing that. But it's just like it's crude to say this, but it's a way to like lift your leg on a person you've decided to use to represent your brand. Yeah. To be like, okay, she's ours and we need to tell everyone that she's ours. Yeah. As a general like modeling tool in the industry, no, they don't like to do that. They want you to look like you're untouched. Mm But when it comes to that kind of thing, maybe now with people scouting people from Instagram and TikTok and stuff, they're like, oh, she was like basic before and then we found her. Yeah. And now she's like this star. So maybe with like social media kind of model via the Internet, maybe it happens more. Again, I just think it's colonizing. I think it's being like who you are neatly is stupid and boring. And we need to make you more valuable. And that is so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it's also going to make you want to go buy stuff, which is why it's everywhere.
1: Well, that I mean, that's capitalism, right? Like that's yeah. This show has like heavy roots in eating disorder recovery, and Mm -hmm. and that conversation comes up a lot. And like that's diet culture, like the diet industry, the beauty industry, all capitalize on our insecurities and our and repeat customers you know weight loss is like a trillion I don't know self-loathing shame the shaming self-help even capitalizes on wellness like wellness is really toxic yes the new you the fixed you like the solved you
0: you know Yeah. yeah the like pretty you yeah Totally.
1: And that's the thing, like it's in, and it doesn't leave any room. It's all dichotomous thinking. Like it doesn't leave any room for the nuance of like, honestly, life's a lot of
0: in between. (laughs) Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, you know, like, so I, back in the day I was a model for a very brief period of time. And like, and I will say one thing that I, we got, we all got fucked up by modeling. We all walked out with like eating disorders we all were like totally objectified by like disgusting men and like shitty ladies but i will say one of the only bonuses i mm-hmm. think i got from modeling the lifestyle of being a model is like when you're off duty which means like when you're not on set yeah you don't wear makeup even if you have a zit even if your skin sucks yeah you are wearing a hoodie You're wearing a dirty pair of jeans. You're wearing sneakers. You're cozy and you don't wear makeup and you have frizzy hair because in your mind, you're like, I'm a fucking model.
1: Yeah. Who am I trying to
0: like show everybody I'm hot? Wait till my campaign comes out and you'll see that I'm hot. And of course I'm not a model anymore and I don't have campaigns coming out, but I kept that thing where I feel like it's so funny. Sometimes I'll go out and I'm like, I don't have makeup on and Everyone else does. And somehow, even though I have all these other stab wounds in my body from doing that job, this is the one thing. And I wish more women could feel how dope it feels to be like, fuck all these people. Mm. Like, fuck all the dudes that think I should be wearing makeup or the ladies who notice my pores. Because, like, I'm hot and I know it, you know? yeah." It's like this weird fucking tiny bonus from being a model. Wow. And you'll see other models out. Like I remember one time my brother came to visit me in New York with his frat brothers. They did their spring break at at my house. Uh They like all slept on the floor of my apartment. Cute. And we walked by, we were in Williamsburg and we walked by this like huge Victoria's Secret model who was just like wearing a dirty hoodie and had like a shiny forehead and like frizzy hair and. And we, of course, these guys just like walked right by her. And I was like, you guys, do you know who we just walked by? And they were like, what? And I told them, I was like, she's like the biggest Victoria's Secret model right now. And they all lost their minds. And they're like, "She? that's her? That's her? And I was like, yeah, that's what models look like.
1: They don't give a shit. What I was describing you as, you know, this magnetic energy and this someone that myself and so many of my friends admire so much. I would say, like, you're so cool. Like, if I was just casually, like, when I recommend you to a a friend, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a great person who you should go have cut your hair. She's so cool. Like, I would very casually say that about you. And, And that's something I've been thinking a lot about, like, what it means when I look at someone who I admire and I think of them as being cool, I think of that as being effortless. I think of something that I am not. And I think you just sort of described it because I, w- I was talking to a, a really wise friend of mine, my friend Isabel, who's done the show. And and what I was talking about, actually like some dudes that I had just really admired and had like, for whatever reason, just was like, God, I, I was going on and on about like how cool they were. And she was like, look, when you say that someone is cool, what yeah. you're saying is that they are effortless or whatever that means to you, you're saying that they have a relaxed nervous system. Whoa, dude! And I feel that about you. And I think Whoa. that modeling thing too. It's like, all, similarly, a, a therapist of mine a, a while ago was telling. Or no, this is a this is my my friend Lacey who's who's done this podcast. But she did like a session with me once, and and she was saying that because I grew up with a mom who's like really hyper feminine and always yeah. been in a larger body, so yeah. she would really. You know, never left the house without makeup, like always trying to make herself feel okay in the world. That was like really mean to to people because we live in a world that's really mean to people in large bodies. And so she – so I was always like felt like I need – you know, didn't really like how I looked and and came out in several other different ways. But it's always been like – you know, my hair and makeup, just trying like this hyper feminine. And, yeah. and she pointed out to me, she's like, and this was a couple of years ago, and I was living in New York, and she's like, I think you need more masculine energy in your life. Like, you need to like move. And I i really see what she meant now is like that effortless, that cool, that like, yeah. not giving a fuck what people think. And yeah. Not, like, what if I have a pit bull? Like, fuck you. You know, yeah, like totally, totally crazy hair, like not that, but there's a level of confidence that comes with that. Yeah. But like my mom couldn't do the mental gymnastics. Yeah. And therefore I didn't have any like example of
0: that. Yeah, exactly. It's all
1: what's in front of you when you're little, right? Yeah.
0: It's like, yeah, absolutely. Completely.
1: No, totally. And the modeling kind of gave you that like confidence to be like, all right, well I, and I felt that way too with like relationships where it's like, I, when I've been in a relationship where I feel really good, yeah, in the, I'll take more risks in my work or in my friendships or just in life. Cause I'm like, yeah. it doesn't matter. I have someone who thinks I'm really cool. Exactly. So I don't care if you don't like
0: exactly. Me. Absolutely. Totally. And I mean, it's, it, it's important to point out we've all been socialists, right? Like models, what they're benefiting from is that people love skinny, pretty girls. Yeah. And so they have this, uh, little energy aura around them where everyone's like, Ooh, look at them. Like, you know, and then like, Hey, guess what? People love it when women are coupled. People don't love it when women are single. Like I people I don't know about you, but people are nicer to me when I have a boyfriend. Yeah. You know? So you're that's part of why you can be more relaxed is you have this little like stamp on you that gives you like a little bonus. Yeah,
1: like you're not bad. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, this is fascinating. Why do why do you think that is? It's it's
0: it's like the darkness of how women are socialized, you know? It's like it's it's our job to be attractive and appealing. Yeah. It just is. It's our job to be partnered, you know, and to be like the support system for a man. It's it's weird. I mean, I don't want to say like, oh, yeah, but listen, it's like it's like you're earning your Girl Scout badges by mm. being skinny, by being pretty, by being partnered, you know, by being compelling. And when the more badges you have, the more privileged you are when you're walking through this like shit storm. Fewer badges you have, the harder it is on your nervous system because you're getting
1: hit by stuff. How did you work with that to to how did you realize that and then help mend that in your brain
0: I don't know I'm like a really tall person it's funny if you're someone who like oh I modeled when I was 19 it's what it meant is you were a tall dorky nerd through probably all the way through high school Mm -hmm. And like, you didn't ever have a boyfriend and your pants were never long enough. So people think, I think a lot of models, you know, you're like, oh, they've had it easy. Like their whole lives, like, look how easy it is. But proceeding up until like their teenage, whenever they got scouted, they were like these nerds. They're like aliens. They didn't fit in. And so, yeah, like I was, and yeah, like no boy, I never, you know, no one would ask me out. Like I watched all my girlfriends, like get boyfriends. And I was Mm -hmm. like, my pants were never long enough. Like all that stuff. I had this, like the privilege of getting to run around in a pack of people, my size exactly when I was modeling. And we were like in, you know, in different cities going on castings together. I think that's what reprogrammed me. I'll say Mm -hmm. that is that I was, all of a sudden we were out on the subway together there were like six of us we were tall and crazy but we were like a crew yeah and we would just run around and people would like clear the sidewalks for us because they were like who the fuck are these people and we didn't even look pretty like we, again we had yeah. like hoodies on and stuff but i think i got to feel like i had a community mm. modeling was like super toxic and terrible for me like um in most ways but it was my first experience of like sameness physicality speaking and that helped me feel proud of myself yeah so that I I would say that I think those those years are how I kind of rewrote I'm 41 I've been single with intermittent dating (laughs) my whole life and I still haven't outgrown how shitty it feels to be single at a dinner party and people are talking to me like I'm single because I'm a baby Yeah. Or I'm dumb or I haven't figured something out. Like, I have not walked through all that fire. I don't know if we ever can as women. Yeah. So, I wouldn't say that I like have figured it all out, but physically speaking, it was when I got to like live in a model's apartment and run around with girls my height.
1: Yeah.
0: And run past construction workers and like flip them off together. Yeah. Like, that was special for me. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, it's community and connection. I mean, I'm looking at this book you gave me that is a, is about the importance of that, you know, the importance of like so much healing comes from you can only do so much on your own. It's like the conversations we have, it's, it's being seen and recognized by other people, other women, other, not just women, but having that, you know, whether you get it through therapy or support groups or friendship or relationships or whatever it is. But yeah, it's really like hitting me hard what you're saying, because I think, I mean, and, and I've talked to you about this before, but I, I heard someone say, like last week, I, I think it was like on a podcast or something, someone was used the word chronically single. Like they were kind of describing someone and they were like talking about how far they've come. And they're like, listen to this person. Her career was in the tank, her, blah, 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 blah. And she was chronically single. And I'm listening to that, like doing the dishes. And I'm like, single i was like i think that is a condition that i had i was like i'd never heard that before i just think that's super (laughs) i just think it's so fucked up
0: it's super it's so misogynistic as a woman who takes care of women right Right. i take care of coupled women married and single all of them right let me tell you how many women who are married who are miserable right who have very shitty partners who are not good enough for them it is not better It is not better. I know a lot of women with incredibly, like, wealthy boyfriends who disrespect them, who treat them like shit. Like, all these things you're like, oh, it'd be amazing to have, like, a rich boyfriend or, like, a husband who who wants to buy me a house. And and you're like, dude, the fact that you have a partner, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. Are they loving? Are they Are they supportive? Like, I don't know. I, I really feel like I'm on this earth to, like, Help everybody, but especially help women. And I really feel like I want to push back against all this programming. Yeah. Cause it's so dumb. It's, it's not, it's not correct. Chronically single. What? What about chronically unhappily
1: married? That's like, that's like half of America, you know? Similar to what we were saying about the diet industry and capitalism and the beauty industry, like we do live in a society that, or at least fiscally. Yeah. Promotes people being coupled. I mean, even like finding an apartment, like a studio, people, the people renting apartments know they've been monopoly on people wanting to live alone. Yeah. When they're older or like in their 30s or 20s, even like, or yeah, 30s probably, where finding a studio is way more. Just sharing the rent is is helpful or sharing yeah. like if you go on vacation a hotel room, like there's all these little things.
0: The U.S. tax code. You're, right. You're penalized for being single. Right. It doesn't matter if you're married and you don't have a dependent, a baby, dog, whatever. If you're just two people who decided to get married, you don't have to pay as much money. Right. Which is like, what the <laughs> Right, right. It's you antiquated. Know, it's it's yeah. super, and I think it's not like a casual. It's it's, it's not a coincidence. Sorry, yeah, this yeah. is a very purposeful, and this is again, this is like heteronormative, like capitalism. Like, yeah. and then you get a mortgage, and then you yeah. are tied into this whole. You know, if you're taking time to make sure that you choose and connect with a a, a man or a, a woman, a person. Who is actually a match for you and that means that you're single frequently, I applaud you yeah. because you are being true to yourself, you're being courageous and you're being a real fucking woman. Mm. That's so nice.
1: and, and, and I, I agree and I think I think true. I think there's this other side of it with me, like being, being one of those people who mm-hmm. is um, we won't use the word chronically single, but who has been single for a long time. yeah. I, at an age where I'm seeing a lot of people get married or be coupled or not be single then anymore, mm-hmm. or also like get divorced and come out of thing. You know, I was
0: like, going to say, oh. I'm, I'm like 10 years older than you, I think. And I am watching a lot of those people now get divorced. <laughs> so like, let me tell you, there's an arc here.
1: <laughs> you, exactly. But I, I do think if I'm really being honest with myself, like, and I, and I very similarly, I've had a lot of friends be really gentle with me when I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm not getting enough done in the day, or I want to be more productive." They're like, "You're doing great. You're doing a lot." And I know sometimes that's true, but other times I'm like, "No, I do need more discipline." And I do like you know, kind of what where you're at, and mm-hmm. I I feel like the other side of this. We were talking a little bit about intimacy before we started recording. Yeah, and I I do see in 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 myself this, and I'm curious if this ever became the case with you where. You said one thing to me having a, a conversation around dating where the, the first time you cut my hair and we really got in there, we, and we'd met before, but we had this conversation around love and dating. And you were telling me about how you met your partner that you have now. And you said this thing that I've, I told you before, but it particularly stuck out with me. Which was that you weren't your best when you met him, like, oh yeah. And I think you had just recently had a conversation with him where you were like, and this is the line that like stuck out to me, where where you were like, and um, you had been dating for me for a year at that point, point. and he, you said to him, you were like, remember when we first started dating, and I would just like cry sometimes, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, and and that I think about that like pretty often because. Yeah you don't have to be perfect to meet someone like you can be undone because there is no perfect. Yeah. There is no, what like is working. done. Yeah. Done exactly. doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. It kind of goes back to the makeover trope too. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just doing the same thing with like yeah. makeover yeah. to when I'm, when I am, when yeah. I have done the self-help, when I've yeah. done all of the things and that like there is n- no point of that. But I think the, just like it's a muscle that you have to use with, Anything, like yep. like exercise, like whatever. Building the muscle of – I've gotten very comfortable being single. Yes. After I was in a relationship, it was very, very, very uncomfortable. Yep. But now that I've lived alone for a, a long time, and I'm – I think I've gotten kind of stuck in my ways where I keep everybody at an arm's distance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. friendship is very undefined as a relationship. Yeah. And I don't have any close – like close, close family people that like, everybody's a little bit at a distance. Yeah. And so to crack that open, like there's something, is that making sense? Was, Was there a moment where you had to like, sort of reopen yourself to letting someone see you?
0: Yes. Three, two years, three years preceding me meeting my partner that I have now, who is like a majestic person were the worst years of my life, and I am not being hyperbolic. They were bad. And it was a nightmare of darkness. And I was trying different therapists, and I had PTSD, and I had raging insomnia. So what I was was like this broken baby. And I just – it's like I was like a little baby in the dark, and I just was like reaching – I felt like I was open but Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was looking for but I my eyes were open in the dark (laughs) and I like was just like open to receiving I was trying really hard to stay open because that's all I could do I didn't have any energy to do more than that yeah I couldn't be strategic I I wasn't sleeping I couldn't like wake up and I didn't have a list and I didn't eat foods that were good for me and like make sure I had enough water like all of the self-care was like We were down to like bare, bare essentials when I met Chris, but I was able to stay open and I was able to ask for help still. And I think, I don't know, man. I mean, we met because I followed him on Instagram and then he followed me back. And then we were like watching each other's stories. We both are really into being like earnest on Instagram and not like cool kids. And I think he said something one time and he's the least, he like does not drop into a DM. It wasn't like flirty at all. I don't know. I was just doing everything I could, which wasn't that much. And I was trying to believe in my future still. Mm. And that's all it was, you know? And I think we're taught we need to be more than that. But if you're having a hard time in life, like how the fuck can you be more than that? That's all you can do. (sighs) How to be more succinct here. I think it's about like finding a way to have faith. Mm. And that's not about, like, religious faith, but just, like, believing in your future somehow. Believing in what's what's going to happen, what could happen, what's, like, waiting. And then you'll just bump into, you know, it's like, that's all it was.
1: I don't know how you do it, <laughs> but you always, like, somehow <laughs> say something in a way that just, like, goes right in for me. Like, that it, it, on the day that, like, that was so... And so different than even what you said last time. And as I was saying the thing you said the last time that that went right in, it actually wasn't even about being done. I mean, that maybe is is true, too. But I think now that I'm saying it out loud and when I heard that, what it reminded me of, it's like and and you said this back then and it, and it reminded me when you explained it in more context, it's like he was able to see you through mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm. And, and th- he, he had the faith too. Yeah, exactly. And that was the part that was really inspiring. Cause I think someone could see the forest through the trees. I think maybe I was telling you a story about how I, I was like, Oh man, like so much of life is timing. And this, this person couldn't see me how I, like they met yeah. me at such a weird time. And then you were like, Oh no, listen, like, the right person will, it doesn't matter. Like they'll be able to see through that. Yeah. And that felt so comforting.
0: I think that's the thing. I think this is where I get maybe I'm like a little bit too much of like have fairy tale brain, but I really do believe that there is a person and whether there are multiple people and you're going to hit different ones at different chapters yeah. of your life. But whether it's your next or your only or whatever, however you want to think about the math of a partner that's out in the world, I think we're you're tunneling towards each other mm-hmm. and you're hitting weird rock walls and you're having to figure out how to get around, but you're going to fucking hit each other. You are. And when you do, it's going to feel very different from someone who you... Hook up with and have like incredibly hot sex together, but they don't text you back, yeah. or they don't want to be seen in public with you, but they do want to cuddle every Friday, or you know, just all yeah. the fucking tropes. You know yeah. what I mean? You'll know, like when you hit that person, it's a it's a completely different ball game. And I wish, I kind of wish I talked to like older women when I was in that like dating jungle hell jungle. Mm-hmm like women who had found their people maybe even later in life. Mm -hmm. I wish I'd kind of like consulted the elder women of the world more because now that I have met Chris, I feel like I have more conversations with like older clients and it makes me want to ask them who I know that who are married or with people that they've been with a long time. And they all say that they're like, Oh, this person rewrote the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it broke the type You know, and I'm like, oh, I think that would have helped me when I was so sad and, like, struggling to let go of fighting for these people who are just
1: not it.
0: Yeah. And all of that energy you pour out of you, it's like you open your arteries every morning waiting for them to text you back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because they just aren't your person. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with you not being good enough.
1: Yeah. Because your person's actually going to be better. That's what, you know, like… But I think it's really hard to not open your artery and bleed if you don't know that, which I think is what you're saying. Exactly. Or you don't believe that. Yeah, which is why I'm coming into my – now I'm on the other
0: side of 40. I'm like, I am a baby elder woman, and I would like to impart the wisdom of my heart to women who are younger than me, even though right now it's like by a few years. But still, I just am like – Yeah. I mean, we've all heard about like the socialization of Disney movies. And like, you're like, why do we choose men who don't want to text us back? And you're like, well, like, because the beast like threw Beauty Bell in a in a basement for a while and then screamed at her and then like wouldn't talk to her. And then some, you know what I mean? Like, I just think there's a lot of deprogramming to be done. And women can help each other. I think women should help each other Mm -hmm. kind of like delete some of these narratives. Yeah.
1: And and rewrite new stories. I mean, you you the book that you gave me is Women Who Run With the Wolves, <laughs> which I have copious notes about, <laughs> but I think you gave it to me probably like around us having this sort of conversation of like yeah. different stories that put women in different places in the narrative and because essentially like you were doing you were being the Clarissa. Like you were you were telling me The subtitle of this book is Myths and Stories of the Wild Woman Archetype. Like you were kind of giving me your oral history of, of, of your, you know, telling me your story was exactly what the stories in this book are. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you know, we, we learn through, you were, you were almost doing to me, I think what you do in a, in a session when you're going to work with someone with, which was, how to soften like how do you when someone comes in here and they're like hard and around you're softening their edges from the day how do you do that can you put that into words and is that something you do outside of your work
0: Mm. again this is gendered and I know this is like unchill to gender things but Mm -hmm. just the way people talk about like in the energetic conversation people are like you can be like every man has like a well of female energy feminine energy inside of him just as we have a well of masculine energy right we both have both so when i talk about feminine energy i'm not talking about women i'm talking about like that part of our bodies and anywho i feel like i'm a huge bro in day-to-day life yeah i i've been told by like you know, of course, I go to energy workers and the whole bit. And they're all like, oh, your masculine energy is pretty much like raging. And we really want you to get to work on your feminine energy because, like, she is underdeveloped and da, da, da. Mm-hmm. But what's funny is when I step behind the chair with a client, when I as soon as I'm with a person taking care of them mm-hmm. in my realm, all of my feminine energy turns on. Mm-hmm. I can feel what they feel like. Mm-hmm. And it's it's gonna sound really mystical because I guess it is. I can feel what people feel like. Mm-hmm. And I understand I can feel when they're scared, I can feel when they're don't feel seen. I can feel what would make them feel better. Mm-hmm. And the pathway to help them is through their hair. I don't know. I think it's like a weird thing I step into.
1: Yeah, you're you're just so comfortable in your work and and dexterous in it in a way that like. It's really cool to see, and I think I met you at our, our for the first time at our friend Zoe's house, and you were coming. It was COVID, and you came to her house, and you cut all of our hair. and And I'd heard so much about you, like from them, of like <laughs> and how they met you is this really kismet way, which is like so funny and cool and happy that happened. Oh my God. <laughs> through one of those arteries maybe oh my <laughs> god yeah I was
0: dating a dumb dude and yeah I met I went to a party at his house and all these beautiful women were there and of course we are he is no longer and they are uh-huh. now part of my clientele life yeah and their girlfriend life
1: his nephew right yeah we like, just happened to be there yes yeah. yes well blessings to him yeah blessings to that lunatic to <laughs> yeah
0: the one yeah I send one blessing to you sir
1: yeah
0: thank you for bringing us together <laughs>
1: And that's, a th- yeah, that's been a lasting thing. But, but anyway, even just like seeing you that, that day, like you had this energy where I wasn't even getting a haircut. I was like stopping by to meet this like special person, Ryan, that I'd heard about for so long. Yeah. And then you'd said to me what you said earlier, like, you just kind of looked at my hair and instead of me being, I was feeling so, so, so down about it. And yeah. you, were, you were like, told me it was going to be okay, you know, and and there was a way out of it. And that was really what I needed to hear was just like encouragement. But you do, you have this way of, of reading people that I really admire and I've definitely experienced and it's, it is really cool. Do you, are you able to use that energy reading outside of work like do you or do, is it something you very intentionally can sort of turn off
0: it's something I turn off it's something yeah. um I actually it's a pursuit of mine now is I want to learn how to turn it on myself because mm, yeah. because I'm just like oh my god I am tired a lot girl let me tell you at the end of the day and you can ask my partner Chris like I come home from work and it's like six appointments I have communed with six spirits yeah and I have loved them like they are my baby, but also, well, I've loved them like they're my baby. I come home, I feel as if I like the fumes. I'm only on fumes, you know? And so, and and then I'm just like, okay, now I just want to make sure I get a healthy dinner and take a bath and go to bed. I don't use it outside of my job. I rarely use it outside of my job. But I'll tell you something, I think the reason I'm good at it is because, and talking to any therapist I've had, is it's the tool I used as a child in my family. Mm. I have six people in my family. I'm second of four kids. And, you know, we had our challenges. And I think that was my, my way of, it was being empathic and figuring out how everyone is feeling so I can dance around it. So I will use it for people. I use it on my job. I'm good at it because I had to do it when I was a tiny person. Yeah. But I don't use it outside of my job terribly often. And yes, I would like to use it on myself because it seems pretty magical and I would love to benefit from it.
1: I want you to be able to use it on yourself. <laughs> well, we we've spoken a little bit about you know complex family dynamics and moving and creating you know a community around you. And in this book there that you gave me, there's there's this quote that I wrote down where she says, "Is it worse to stay where one does not belong at all than to wander about lost for a while and looking for the psychic and soulful kinship one requires?" And, you know, with that, with, with how you grew up and that, that empathy that you had to develop as, as a kid to, to now navigating, you know, being single and, and moving to to different cities, you know, your, your business is in three different cities now. Mm -hmm. So what is your greatest lesson around unpacking that quote a little bit about, to me, that's finding your footing in, a community that sees you and recognizes you for, for who you are. And you, you mentioned that with Chris, like that's, I think, kind of what you saw in each other, but how did you, yeah. Was that something that you had to unpack?
0: My approach to life. I know some people that have lived in two places or one place. That's actually my boyfriend, Chris. He has lived in LA and he is a really like, has a beautiful, colorful, fruitful life. This is again, back to like my funny, like fairy tale brain, but I think that people should see their lives as like a quest Mm. if you need to move to New York three times, if you need to move back in with your parents and then go to New York and then go to Portland and then go to Marfa, Texas, and then come here, do your thing. Like if you have to date like 500 people to see what people feel like, like if you need to like burn down your career and start another one, if you, you know, like whatever you need to do to like find to, like, look for it, like, then do it, you know? And I think I think that's what she's saying. She basically is like, hey, do you want to just, like, do the safe thing? Mm-hmm. Stay in the place that, like, makes you sad every day and where you don't feel supported? And again, you're, it's, it's privilege. It costs money to, like, move. But or do you want to, like, go try to find it, you know? And I think and be uncomfortable for a while, which mm-hmm. I for sure was. Like, I can't buy a house right now because I spent, like, how many tens of thousands of dollars, like, moving my business like five times. There's certainly a sacrifice, but yeah, I think she's saying like, get after it, go, go try it, you know? And, and that's definitely how I have lived.
1: Yeah. Well, I want to go back. I would love to hear a bit more of your time modeling and just how that happened. And something that I admire so much about you and, and we share is, that you have lived so many lives and you, because of that, you have the best stories and you have so much experience and, and, you know, I know you worked in finance before you did hair, like you, yeah. so, so maybe start with, with modeling. You mentioned it a little bit, but how did that come to be? And then where did finance and hair take us up to the present yeah. timeline I Okay. I know what you're thinking. You want to keep hearing more. I'm cutting it off before we even really get started. I know, I know. I'm so sorry, I totally understand. But listen, in just a couple days, I'm gonna be back. Ryan's gonna be back. Part two starts with her backstory and she tells how she got scouted to model at age 19 and she left college to move to New York and then London and then Australia. And then she ended up modeling and then finishing school, moving to New York, working in finance. Apprenticing, doing hair. Why am I giving you all these spoilers? Just come back next week. And we don't just talk about that. It's a very short portion because then we get into talking about body image, eating disorders, hair trends, her biggest question that she gets asked about hair. And then we get into hair growth and hair health, her hair growth tips, and her top three qualities of a hairdresser. She gives advice for people wanting to get into the field. She gives her definition of beauty and how that's changed over the years. We talk about being earnest on Instagram and how she handles social media and Instagram in a really unique way. We honestly just debrief on why we love leftovers, on how she's letting go of the need to be fixed, her greatest lesson of the last year, on letting go of perfectionism. And then here's the best part, you know it really comes alive in act two of this podcast. (laughs) But then I ask questions from our mutual pals, including some previous guests like Carrie Lynn from CAP, Crystal Fawn, my really good friend, the owner of the shop that I work at, Emma Rice, Savannah, Zoe, my close friends. Anyway, come back next week. You've heard Ryan. Of course, you'll be here next week. I love you. I'm so grateful that you're here. If you like this episode, share it. If you need anything from me, you know where to find me. Links to Ryan to book your haircut and to follow her on Instagram will all be available to you. Okay. I love you. Bye-bye. This episode is edited by the incredible Brianna Bain. I love you, Bri. Bye-bye.